Okay, I'm going to speak from the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read five verses. If you have a Bible, you might like to turn to it. And I'm going to talk about the, talk about many things, including the new creation. So let's have a look at what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. He writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think it's probably true to say that we all like something new from time to time. So for example, we buy some new clothes and then we show it to someone for their approval. Who's done that before now? Oh, you're a bunch of fibbers. You bunch of fibbers. My wife bought herself a new jacket the other day, and uh, when she came in, she took it out of the bag, she put it on. She said to me, what do you think? My reply, of course, was, you look amazing. <laughs> we all like something new from time to time. Maybe we download some new music. I got some new headphones for my birthday, for example, or we go to a new restaurant we've not been to before. Even if we buy something antique, it's going to be new to us. Perhaps it's, on the other hand, it's a new opportunity. Perhaps uh, you've got a new opportunity at work, you get a promotion or a different kind of job, or you move somewhere new. We like a new experience. Perhaps it's going somewhere you've never been before. Last year, Joy and I, my wife, went to Rome. We went inside the Vatican. I'd never been to the Vatican before, never been inside it. Wanted to see Michelangelo's painting of the Sistine Chapel. And God creating Adam, that very famous painting that I'd seen in books, seen on the TV, seen on the internet. But I wanted to see it in real life and it was the first time I'd seen it. We all like something new, I guess, from time to time. In this passage, the Apostle Paul talks about something new. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Or that person is a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. And this is not simply a new pair of jeans or a new mobile phone app or a new carpet or a new car or a new house or even a new prime minister leading a new government. It's profounder than all these things. It's a new creation. So what's meant by the new creation? Well, if there's a new creation, then that would mean there has to be an old creation. So what is the old creation? Well, basically in the old creation, things are wearing out. For a start. Often that's why we keep needing new things. So things break down, whether it's the bus blocking the road on your way to work, making you late, or it's the broadband connection that keeps breaking down in the office upstairs. We've had a lot of experience of that in the last couple of months. Or things just stop working, maybe the battery on your mobile phone has gone flat, or the lamp because the bulb has blown. Things deteriorate. Tires wear down, shoes wear out, a sharp knife becomes blunt over time. Weeds take over the garden unless we work hard at keeping that at bay. 
And things are subject to decay. Teeth need filling. The last banana in the fruit bowl turns brown. Our skin wrinkles and loses its elasticity. I think I'm approaching that age very slowly, but there we are. Oh, we go to a loved one's funeral. Death seems to reign supreme. This is something of the flavor of the old creation. There's something not right. In fact, there's something radically wrong. The old creation, it's disconnected from God. It's disconnected from the source of life itself. God, and it's a pretty sorry tale too. But that's not the end of the story. The Apostle Paul writes here, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Or that person is a new creation. What does that mean? Well, it means that something profoundly radical has happened in a person's life. I want to look at three elements of what might cause the new creation to happen. So when we, first of all, when we acknowledge who Jesus is, and I had to do this in my life at the age of 20 years. When I was 20 years old, I grew up in a, my parents didn't go to church. My mother was nominally Catholic. And the only time I darkened a church door was perhaps uh, at a wedding. And I can't even remember going to many weddings. I think I had to go to school on one occasion. I had to go to church when I was a teenager. I found it deadly boring. Uh, couldn't wait to get out. And the next time that we had to go to church when I was at school, probably don't do that these days, I kind of hid behind a pillar and avoided going at all. So, but at the same time, I knew there was something about Jesus which I didn't quite get, but I knew that at least he was some good kind of person in the world. But actually, he's more than simply a good person. I realized, of course, that he was the founder of Christianity, so he was, you know, he was in that kind of higher level, if you like, but along with other people in the world, perhaps, who attained that kind of enlightenment, as I thought. But actually, I realized at the age of 20 that he's not simply a great religious teacher to be admired, but the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. He's the savior of the world, and that's a huge difference. So in order for us to become part of that new creation, we have to acknowledge the reality of who Christ is. We have to acknowledge as well what he's done. Not only did he live a perfect life, but he died on the cross to take our sins, our wrongdoing upon himself, and to tear down the barrier between us and God. Not only that, but raised to life again, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, coming again, all authority given to him on heaven and on earth. So it's acknowledging the reality of who he is. It's acknowledging the reality of what he's done. But not only that, we can do that thing here, but his mental assertion, yes, okay, Jesus is the savior of the world. Yes, I can see what you're saying here. But it's not simply knowing these truths. It's committing ourselves to living in agreement with God about these things, then the new creation begins in us. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Or that person is a new creation. So if you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, then the good news is this, you are a new creation. You're part of the new creation that Jesus has inaugurated. So as you look around you here at King's today and you see people who have committed their lives to Christ, you might say, but they don't look any different. They still get old. They still have their issues and character faults. 
That's true, of course. The reason for that is this. It's all happening in the midst of the old creation. We still have thinking that needs to be renewed. We still have emotions that need to become healthy. We still have a character that needs to be transformed. We still have a tendency to go our own sweet way. We still have bodies that get old. We still have death. But the big difference is that we now have the God who transforms in our lives, which we heard from Sally shared about her life experience. So we enter, as we become a new creation, we enter, in fact, the adventure of a lifetime. I wonder, do you still see it that way? Have you ever seen it that way? That to become a Christian is not simply to take on a new set of rules, a better set of rules. It's deeper than that. It's profounder than that. It's the greatest thing that you will ever do in your life. It's a pivotal point in your life to commit yourself to Christ and become that new creation. As I said, it happened to me at the age of 20. I'm now 65, so 45 years down the road. And that was a pivotal point in my life where I committed myself to Christ and became that new creation. Jesus puts it another way when the great religious teacher Nicodemus comes to see him. And Jesus says to him, you must be born again. Nicodemus is puzzled by this and he says, how can somebody be born again? Can they crawl back into the mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, no, 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 you don't really understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about some dynamic in the spiritual realm that happens. You must be born of God. It's the adventure of a lifetime. Do you still see it that way? The new creation is the reign of Christ coming into the lives of individuals and communities and ultimately into the whole of creation. This new creation is never going to end. In Revelation it says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. There's more than one kingdom of course. There's a kingdom of darkness. We can live in the kingdom of darkness. We can live in the kingdom of ignorance. We can live in the kingdom of opposition to God. We can live in the kingdom of denial that God even exists. That kingdom will end. My kingdom, Jesus says, will never end. Which kingdom do you want to be part of today? The new creation, of course, happens in the midst of the old creation. So although if you're in Christ, you're a new creation, we're still living it out in the midst of the old creation. And sometimes I think, I forget that. I forget, well, I'm a new creation. I'm in Christ. The Spirit is within me. I'm part of the church community. I'm seeking to walk with God. New creation, new creation, new creation, new creation. Lovely, lovely, great, fantastic, wonderful. Lovely times of worship and so on. But it's all happening in the midst of the old creation. And I think if we're, if we're not careful, we can underestimate that. And as I was studying this passage, did you notice the first word that I read out was therefore? Therefore. So, Paul is saying, therefore, as a result of all he said before. So I thought, well, I better read all he said before. So I read all the, that he said before in 2 Corinthians. And as I read it, here are some of the things that I noticed. Verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, the troubles we experienced. Also in verse 8, he says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Again in verse 8, we despaired of life itself. Verse 9, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Chapter 2, I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears. 
Verse 13, chapter 2. I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. Chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. You know, in other words, there's a reality to what Paul has experienced. And I don't think, I think we need to face that reality. The reality of the fact that we, yes, we're a new creation, but we're living in the midst of the old creation. So there's going to be some collateral damage at times. There's going to be some really difficult, tough times to have to face. Why? Because we're still in the old creation. There is still a kingdom of darkness at work. Death is still at work. Decay is still at work. In the midst of it all. And Paul doesn't gloss over all these things. He's not afraid to talk about the reality of what he's suffering, what he's experiencing. And I think it's so poignant. I had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. You know, the relational connections that we have can cause us great delight. At the same time, they can cause us difficulties and pain. And we miss people. He doesn't gloss over what he suffers. Exactly like the psalmist. When the psalmist, he never, the psalmist never glossed over their suffering. So for example, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. There's a deep, profound reality about what he is. And sometimes I think, as Christians, we can be afraid to express the reality of what we are going through. The Apostle Paul doesn't. The psalmist doesn't. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end. And again, we're in the midst of the old creation. Yes, the new creation has come, but we're living it in the midst of the old creation. The psalmist goes on in verse 3 of chapter of 22. You, yet you're enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. What's that all about? In the midst of what he's going through, in the midst of what he is suffering, he still looks to heaven as it were. He looks to his heavenly father. And surely that's a massive thing. And the Apostle Paul does that too. And all that he goes through in experiencing the suffering in the old creation in which he is living, yes, he's a new creation. He looks to heaven for help. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Paul doesn't wallow in his suffering. He's not asking to be pitied, but he faces the reality of what he's suffering. He's not self-absorbed. He's a new creation. He finds his strength in God. The power of the Spirit is within him. As I was writing this, I was thinking about my parents-in-law, Frank and Eileen, who both died in 2016 and many of you know Frank had terminal cancer and he had brain tumor and other things and it was not the first time he'd had cancer he'd had it several times before and, and so on but he was in a care home and uh, he was dying and the care home had a contagious virus at one time so we could not get in to see him that was so tough. It was even tougher on him. Yeah, it's difficult to imagine being in that situation where you're terminally ill, you're in a care home, and none of your family can go and visit you. So what I used to do was I used to make banners, big banners, and I used to write in big letters, we love you, you're precious, 
and so on. And I used to go up to the care home because he was on the ground floor and I used to knock on the window, try and draw his attention and hold the banners up so he could read them. You know, we saw him at his weakest and at his most vulnerable, unable to look after himself. And the same with Eileen. Uh, I haven't got time to go through all that she went through. <laughs> through it all, what we saw is this. They were both upheld by Christ. I saw evidence of the new creation within them right until the very end. As a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is within you. You are a new creation. I want to reaffirm that today and I want us to affirm that. If you're a follower of Jesus, can we say that together? I am a new creation. Let's say it again. I am a new creation. So God has begun something in you that he is going to bring to completion because that's his solemn promise. We're living it out in the midst of the old creation and boy, does that get tough at times. That gets really hard. But God is within us to help us. The old has gone, the Apostle Paul writes. The new is here. So your sins are forgiven. The old has gone. They're remembered no more. The old has gone. That ignorance and hostility to God is no more. The old has gone. From being enemies, we are now God's friends. The old has gone. God is even forming Christ in you. The new is here. God wants us to be reconciled to him. That's in his heart. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but would have eternal life. God's passionate desire burning like a fire in his heart and mind is that we should be reconciled to him. And the wonderful thing is this, it's not simply a one-time offer. So, okay, 45 years ago, I committed my life to Christ, so I got reconciled to God. Yes, that's true. That is so true. But at the same time, I'm experiencing ongoing reconciliation with God, ongoing friendship with God, because to be reconciled to God means you become a friend of God. His mercies are new every morning. God reaches out to us every day with his offer of reconciliation, because he loves us. The apostle writes, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God is in the business of reconciliation. <clears throat> wouldn't it be wonderful, wouldn't it be amazing if North Korea was reconciled to South Korea? You know, it's, it's at the moment, it's not at a state of war, but it's not, they're not at a state of peace, they're in a state of truce. And we've heard lots of things coming out of North Korea and rockets being fired and all these things being said and all this kind of stuff. Is there a glimmer of hope that there could be reconciliation with some of the athletes going to South Korea? Is that a possible green shoot appearing? I don't know. It would be amazing if North Korea was reconciled to South Korea. It would be amazing if America was reconciled to Iran. You know, there was kind of under President Obama a little bit of trying to perhaps an olive branch being put out to Iran. Now under President Trump, things are changing again. There's certainly no reconciliation in the air at the moment. It would be amazing 
if in our lifetime, there was some kind of reconciliation. And we've seen some reconciliation in our lifetime. If we're old enough, we've seen West Germany and East Germany. There's been a reconciliation there to make it one nation. Reconciliation is amazing. It would be amazing if Israel was reconciled to Palestine. You know, and that's a conflict that's been going on since biblical times, really. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was reconciliation between those peoples? To be reconciled speaks of agreement, of working together instead of being alienated from each other. And God reaches out to you and me through Christ. Christ comes proclaiming the good news that we can be reconciled to God. And all those things are to do with the nations that I talked about there. God has achieved something even greater than any of those possibilities. And that's to reconcile us to him. Why is that more amazing? It's more amazing because in our natural condition, we are enemies of God, the Bible says. In our natural condition, we live in what the Bible calls is the darkness. And we don't know God. And God reaches out to us across from heaven to earth in order to reconcile us to himself. And it costs him everything to do it. But Jesus said this, nobody takes my life from me. I do it willingly. Isn't that wonderful? The one who's the pinnacle of creation. The bright and morning star. We heard what Judy said earlier as well about Jesus. You know, the lily of the valley. The prince of peace. Our heavenly father. He comes in the person of his beloved son and sacrifices his life in the most barbaric way that human beings have ever devised. And you know what? When you read the Gospels about the crucifixion of Christ, the Gospel writers don't really go into the details of it. They almost gloss it over. You know, he was scourged, it says. You know, he was whipped. And it's just like a one-liner you get in the Gospels. They don't go into the detail of what that meant. But if you look it up on the internet, if you read about it, you'll see... It was often people died just being whipped. And Christ came and he suffered the most barbaric death. But he did it willingly. He did it, why? So that you and I could be reconciled to God. From being his enemies, from being in the darkness, from being ignorant about him, to entering into the light and to entering into friendship with God. I wonder, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you have the light of life that Jesus offers? Are you living in that light of life? Do you know what it is to walk in agreement with God? Are you walking in agreement with God today? The prophet Amos says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Are you reconciled to God? Are you walking in agreement with him or in opposition or in ignorance? Jesus reaches out his hand to you and me and says, come and follow me. The apostle Paul says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. On Twitter, I don't know if many of you are on Twitter. I know some of you are. I'm on Twitter and I follow, one of the people I follow is I follow the British ambassador to Nepal. So I see his tweets and he 
is responsible for representing us as a nation um, in Nepal. And from what I can see, he seems to be doing a pretty good job of representing us to Nepal. Paul tells us we are ambassadors for Christ. And our message is one of reconciliation. We are representing Christ's kingship. So if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a new creation, you're an ambassador for him. You're not a perfect ambassador. We don't have any perfect ambassadors in this community. But nevertheless, we're ambassadors for him. And we represent him to the world around us in your work, in your school, in your college, in your university, in your family, among your colleagues. You're Christ's ambassador representing him and bringing that message of reconciliation as and when you're able to. To finish, if you don't yet know Jesus, God doesn't want you to be in ignorance about him. He reaches out to you as his desire is to make you his friend. It's great to have friends, isn't it? Here's a very special one. He reaches out through Jesus who died on the cross that we might be forgiven all the things we have done and said that are wrong and actually forgiven for all the good that we failed to do as well. As I was preparing this, I felt the Lord saying to me to say this to you. I want you to be part of my new creation because one day the old creation is going to end and that end has already begun because I have begun a new creation. The new creation is going to go on forever. Death will not have the final say, but I will. You know, we all enjoy new things in our life from time to time. God's offer tops them all. If you're in Christ, then you are a new creation. You have begun this great adventure. And let's together encourage others to take up that offer. Amen. Amen.